Hey everyone, uh, it's good to be with you today. Um, even if we're still meeting in this virtual way, it's, it's not ideal, uh, but it's great to be meeting uh, nonetheless. Today, uh, we're continuing and finishing our little two-week series uh, on the Psalms. Last week, we looked at Psalm 19 and Josh uh, had a look th uh, at that for us. And tonight, we're gonna, or today, we're going to dive into Psalm 119. Uh, God's word uh, we, f we find here in these Psalms should be delicious to us, as sweet as honey, and indeed it should. Today we are going to dive into Psalm 119, and it's a long psalm, yeah, it's the longest, but we shouldn't be put off by that. Uh, and there are some challenges uh, to all of us who follow the Lord Jesus. In fact, we're told in verse 130 of Psalm 119 that these words give ordinary people, simple people like you and I, understanding. As we unfold this together this morning and uh, help, uh, we need help that they might uh, give us the light to live by. These things help us to understand uh, are really, really important. How sweet and precious God's word is for us, how easily in, my, in our double-mindedness we lose sight of this, and how this word in verse 133, how it guides us to be those who are no longer double-minded, but those who are learning to love and be led by the word in all of our lives. Truthfully, I think, uh, we as Christians don't always allow uh, his word to penetrate the darkest area of areas of our hearts, nor do we allow his word to guide our every footstep, as it says in one, verse 133. My plan this morning as we explore this psalm is simple. Watch as it shines a light on our double-mindedness and then listen to the four steps that God gives us to call us back to a wholehearted obedience of his word. The four steps are wholehearted following, praying for protection from this world, praying that God will teach us how to discern his truth rightfully from his word, and pray that he grants us a genuine thirst to read and obey his word every day. But first, let me pray, and then we'll kick off. Lord, help us this morning uh, to be engaged, uh, calm our thoughts and our anxieties, uh, help us to open our hearts and minds uh, to be changed, to be challenged, to be encouraged uh, by everything you're going to speak uh, to us today. Amen. So, how should Christians walk? Well, the Bible tells us that we are to work worthily of our calling, uprightly and in the light. Since there are many paths and much opposition in our world, it takes determination and effort to stay on the narrow path of righteousness. The biggest problem I think that we face is trying to stay on this narrow path, and it has to do with our double-minded attitude toward God. When Jade and I were packing up our unit uh, in Hornsby um, about two years ago to move to our house in Carlingford. I spent a good, time, a good chunk of my time packing up my books and my parents and Jay will tell you that I just have far too many of them and it might be true, but you, I, I always say you can never have enough books. One book I came across was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I set it aside to read after we had moved in because I'd bought it and never actually read it. And after I read it, I wondered if we as Christians are sometimes like this character when it comes to living in the world. Like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, 
The fictional character, Dr. Jekyll, is usually portrayed as a large, stylish doctor of prominence uh, and good stature in the community. While uh, Dr. Jekyll looks good publicly, there's a war waging uh, in his mind whether to do evil or to do good. Uh, in a desire to maintain his good uh, reputation in the world, uh, Dr. Jekyll tries to keep this evil in his mind from being acted upon. And within his mind, he turns into this monster uh, who becomes known as Mr. Hyde. One night after having violently killed another character, he decides to stop these hideous transformations by doing philanthropic work to, to make himself look good. Believing that he had become a good person after doing these acts, he looked down at his hands and saw that they were the hands of Mr. Hyde. He had transformed even after having taken the serum that he thought would stop the, the transformations. At that point, at the end of the book, Dr. Jekyll takes his own life so that his evil side may never be released again. Now, while the above character that I was just talking about is fictional, the concept of a double-minded Christian certainly isn't. Double-minded means holding on to two contrary opinions at the same time. When Elijah was on Mount Carmel, he asked the children of Israel who uh, they would follow, Jehovah or Baal. He asked them, how long will you waver between these two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then go and follow him. I've heard it said before, Christian want the benefits of believing but at the same time, we want our sin too. With one foot in God's kingdom and one foot in the world, we believe that we can effectively serve our creator. Don't we as Christians hold on to these conflicting thoughts at the same time? For instance, God's word says to love one another in John chapter 13. But which one of us does not have at least one person that we really don't like? Or... God tells us not to covet in his word in Exodus 20. But who here, when a lotto commercial comes onto the TV, do we not dream of being rich as if we're not rich already in God? In Psalm 119 verse 113, the psalmist is saying that he hates the double-minded person, that they might not be near him so that he can obey the commands of God. But as the psalm outlines our single-minded love for and obedience for God's word, our own double-mindedness is exposed. And while, like the psalmist, God hates double-mindedness, he is loving and patient enough with us to speak a word that calls our minds and hearts back to him. In Psalm 119, we discover four, the four steps that God calls us to that I mentioned earlier wholehearted following, praying for protection from the world, praying that God would teach us how to discern his truth rightfully, and praying that God would grant us a genuine thirst to read and obey his word. Honestly, a lot of the time, because of our sinfulness, we want our lives to be fluid, holding on to the opinion that best meets our circumstance that we happen to find ourselves in. When our circumstances change, and they do, i.e. being at church on a Sunday and then the rest of the week, we sometimes tend to change our allegiance from God to the world. So step one, wholehearted following. 
I don't know about you, but have you ever tried uh, to have a relationship with a person who keeps on changing their mind? It is frustrating. I met this person a while ago at a church that Jade and I were at, who seemed to have a bit of a split personality. During church, this person would seem to be closer to God than anyone else that I had ever met. Uh, She would raise her hands during church, she would pray with fervor, and she would read the Bible as if they were coming from her own heart. When she spoke about God and we had conversations, I was stunned by her knowledge and her love for him. And yeah, as I said, it, it was like the words were pouring from her very heart. One day I heard a woman at the shops um, swearing at her children and just generally behaving pretty poorly. Um, I turned to see who it was and to my surprise, it was this same woman. How hard it must be for our God to have a relationship with this kind of person. Lest we think too little of this woman and too highly of ourselves, we must remember that we are all double-minded to some extent. In many areas of our lives, we live like we are still slaves to sin. In the ancient world, you could voluntarily choose to be a slave of a master and in return, you could receive a livelihood, you could live. But when you became a slave, you agreed to obey everything the master told you that you needed to do. When we, are not, when we were not believers, we had a body ruled by sin. It says that in Romans 6 verse 6, and chose to obey the ruler of this world. Uh, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. When the expectation of receiving the fleeting pleasures of sin... Uh, Now that our old self has been crucified with Christ, we are to offer ourselves as slaves to God and are to strive towards holiness. This means our new way of life requires us to be like our new master, Christ. In Romans 6.16, Paul states that we are slaves to the one in which we obey. So how do we know which master are we actually obeying? The world has tainted our souls and for those areas of our hearts that we have not made Jesus as Lord. Some things seem to be grey, maybe right, maybe wrong. This is where God's holy word comes into play. God's word is sharper than any double-edged sword and it's useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness as Paul writes to his friend Timothy. When the answers cannot be found in God's word, such as what path do you want me on? James 1, 4-8 states that we merely need to ask God and he'll make the path clear for us. Here is the catch. Our allegiance must be, must be firmly with God and not the world or we will be tossed like the shifting sands of our culture. Regardless of what words or instructions that were received by God. For the psalmist, allegiance to God was critical to loving and obeying his commands and precepts. All things are possible with God, and without him, nothing is possible, especially the obedience that leads to holiness. If our allegiance is not 100% with God, then we will only love the words that God tells us that we agree with, that we like, that we want to hear. So step two, pray for protection from this world. 
To get rid of double-mindedness isn't a hopeless cause. For the psalmist, God is both our refuge and our shield from the persecution that we receive both from the external world and from inside temptations, our own, our own temptations. The first thing that the psalmist prays for is protection from those who do not follow God. Since they are on the broad path, they hate anyone whose life personifies the light. Having been choked with worries and riches and the pleasures of this life, they have been truly given over to a depraved mind. Paul says that in Romans chapter 1. They have traded the glory of God to seek and worship the things of the Creator. For a non-Christian, their master is Satan, who tells them to pick any path except the narrow path of righteousness. When, we're, when approached by a Christian who lives uh, in the word, John 3 verse 20 states that the non-Christian will hate that person because the light he or she shines exposes their darkness. If we lived as the non-Christians did, they would love you because they are, you, you're sinning like they do. There'd be no difference. The more you live your life with 100% allegiance to God, the more the light will shine and, they will, uh, and in turn, the more they will hate you. The second thing the psalmist prays for is prayer from internal temptations. 1 Peter 4 states that we as Christians have spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans do. We should now live as one who will give an account, who uh, we will give an account to. He who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Paul in Romans 7 states that he struggled to stop, stop sinning and embrace God's holiness. To be holy, we needed to be shielded by our temptation through the power of he who is holy. Step three, pray that God will teach us how to discern his truth rightly. Have you ever read God's word and felt overwhelmed? I certainly have. It took thousands of years for people to write all the books of the Bible. This means there are numerous cultures of intended readers. Reading and underst understanding the Bible can sometimes be really hard. To make it even more difficult, we live in modern times and uh, tend to read the scriptures through our own perspectives. Politics, the no our noisy Western culture can influence the way that we think about God's word. Sometimes it feels like there are so many interpretations of scripture as there is sand on the seashore. Does this mean we give up rightly knowing the truth? No, absolutely not. The only way for us to know the truth of God's word is to immerse ourselves in it, to read it, to hear it carefully explained, uh, to discuss it, what it means for our lives in small groups. Paul tells the church of Corinth that those who are not of God will perceive the word of God as foolishness because they are not capable of discerning and understanding the truth. Jesus promised that he would send an advocate uh, that would guide his own to the truth. In 1 Corinthians 2, it states that only the spirit knows the things of God. We need to pray that the spirit would help us to understand the truth of God's word rightly. The psalmist in Psalm 119, our passage for today, puts it this way in verse 125. Um, look it up if you've got it there. 
I am your servant, give me discernment that I might rightly understand your statutes. Step four, pray that God grants us a genuine thirst to read and obey his word. The first and last step are very similar. A cry to have a single-minded devotion to God. Verse 129, pull it up if you've got it near you. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Open my mouth and uh, open my mouth and pant longing for your commands. I open my mouth and pant longing for your commands. In teaching us to be slaves of righteousness, God's word should be more valuable to a Christian than all the gold in the world, all of the preciousness of anything that we might find in the world. If at the core of our being, we do not love the word of God to the extent that we hate every wrong path, then we will keep one foot in both kingdoms, Satan's and God's. As Christians living in Australia in 2020, there are so many distractions that uh, keep us from spending time in God's word, not least of which has been COVID. Like the psalmist in uh, chapter one, verse two, do we love God's word so much that we meditate on it day and night? For most Christians today, and for me myself, the answer is regretfully no. We get caught up in the busyness of life. The activities that fill our lives get in the way of reading God's word and having, us, and having it convict us to change. I said earlier in the kids' spot today that God's word teaches us to live God's way and not our way. The psalmist longs to live for God's commands and precepts. He begs God to help him to love these commands and precepts because he knows that it's good for him. God's, uh, God's word is sweeter than honey. It's delicious, as Josh spoke about last week from Psalm 19. Not because we can taste it, but because it holds everything that we need for eternity. Through it, we can know the God of the universe, the God, that, the God that flung stars into space, who gives us the air that we need to breathe, the warmth of the sun, the beating of our hearts. But we, but we can also know from it just how amazing God's grace is. That through no actions of ours, he saved us because he loves us. We learn of Jesus, the perfect, righteous and sinless son of God, who came to die the death that we should have died. He succeeded where we failed to love God's commands wholeheartedly, and he is willing to stand in our place. These are why God's word is precious, like treasure, and why it is so sweet to our souls. Friends, we need today to pray that God would instill in our hearts a single-minded devotion to love and obey his word. We need to pray that God would protect us as we read his word and change to be more like him in a world that is so increasingly hostile toward him. And we need to pray that God would give us such a, a thirst for his word 
that we might become more and more like the Lord Jesus and less likely to have a foot in both kingdoms. Let me do that for us now. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for these two Psalms that we've looked at over the last two weeks. Lord, help us to obey your word as hard as it is sometimes, especially in the world that we're living in. Help us to value it above all else. Protect us from the evildoers in verse 115, that we can keep your commands. Finally, Lord, give us such a great thirst for your word each day and help us to immerse ourselves in it to know it and by it to know you. Amen.